Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. O come, O come, Emmanuel, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> there will be signs. There will be signs. Right now, we see the signs of Christmas blossoming all around us as holiday music is pouring forth from speakers and all the stores and restaurants. And we're encountering signs of that season outside every grocery store, the red kettle, the constant bell ringing, reminding us to help the poor in this season. The signs of Christmas fill our mailboxes, catalogs offering ideas for presents, and I don't know about you, but my, in-mail, my email inbox is inundated with sale offers. But here at church, the signs are a bit different. We're not yet advertising Christmas. Instead, we're waiting in quiet expectation. Our signs are blue vestments, an advent wreath, quieter music, a change in incense, and even our communion wine. Every year I am eager for this change, the turn to the joyful, a new year, pondering the incarnation, our Lord as a child. But though I love Christmas, I am never eager to bypass Advent, the season of hope and expectation. And I'm so grateful to be here where we know how to wait quietly. In here, our signs differ from the larger culture, but still they are signs of the season. And in a few weeks, we too will celebrate with lots of candles and Christmas carols, fresh greens and gold vestments. Yes, we know the signs of the season, whether they're at the mall or in the church. But those are not the signs that Jesus refers to in the Gospel of Luke today, our first Sunday in Advent, the beginning of our new liturgical year. Instead, Jesus warns his followers that there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This moment comes in the midst of other apocalyptic warnings of the destruction of the temple and persecution of his followers and right before the Last Supper and Jesus' betrayal. In other words, on this first day of Advent, as we prepare for the coming of Christ as a baby, we hear about the end of his life, and we hear predictions of his coming again for the second and final time. In this discourse, Jesus continues to instruct his followers that just as they know summer is around the corner when they see trees begin to put forth leaves, so will they know that the kingdom of God is near when they see natural disasters, wars and violence, and great fear among people. Now, I don't know about you, 
but every Advent, no matter what gospel we're reading, I am still shocked to hear not about an infant in manger, not about a virgin meek and mild, not about shepherds and stars, but about disasters, war, apocalypse, the second coming. Just as we are returning to the beginning of things, we're being invited to look at the very end of them. As if the miracle of the incarnation, God made human, the word made flesh, isn't enough, we're also asked to consider the future that we know, but we aren't sure that we actually want. The Son of Man coming again with power and great glory. Each Advent, we face a similar problem. While the world out there focuses on a harmless baby and a jolly old fat man in a red suit, we in here must wrestle with what it is we believe about that baby, who he is really, and what we think will happen at the end, the very end of time. In this season, do we await such a thing? Do we await a miracle? Do we dare to hope? Do we dare to believe? In the gospel, Jesus tells his followers that when they see signs, they ought to stand up raise their heads because redemption is drawing near. In other words, their help, the saving power of God has come close. And at the end of this passage, Jesus reminds them that though heaven and earth may pass away, his word will never pass away. Though we might face fearful things in this life, we can trust in the Lord. We can trust that God is, was, and ever shall be. And Jesus reminds us to be on guard until that time, taking care that we don't allow our hearts to be either taken away by the frivolities of life, dissipation, drunkenness, or that they should be weighed down by the worries of life. Rather, we are to be alert, alert at all times, praying for strength. When surrounded by tragedy, when we're beset by fear, we are to stand up. We are to raise our heads, confident in God. When signs that all is falling apart, whether through natural disaster or human-created devastations, we're to remember ultimately, we are to remember that ultimately, we are safe. We are held up by a God who loves us so dearly that God joined us, becoming human, vulnerable as an infant, entering poor and naked and squalling, trusting us to care for him. This is a fantastic story. It's hard to believe. We see signs of devastation all around us, all the time. But perhaps we ought not think of them as normal. And perhaps those more interested in end times ought not to think that they predict the apocalypse. Rather, perhaps these signs are always with us, always pointing to the coming of the Son of Man, always pointing to the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. 
for that is the promise of God. That is the promise of Advent, Emmanuel, God with us. The kingdom of God is coming, but it has already begun. And if we pay attention to the signs, the weird weather and wars, fearful, violent people, then we know that God is not far from us. God is not only coming, but here, now, already. Just as we know now, as we await again the coming of Jesus as a child, just as we have already known Jesus as a man, dead, risen again. It's all pretty wild. The claims we Christians make can seem outlandish. God became flesh, a baby in a particular place, a manger, a virgin mother, some wise men. But frankly, our secular culture doesn't fare much better. They offer up a fat man and some reindeer, a worldwide tour bringing cheap toys made in China. That story, while fun and good for kids, that story does not feed our souls. But a God whose love is so great that God created us to share that love, then joined us here to save us from ourselves and all the dark forces around us. Well, it's preposterous, it's outrageous, yet somehow our hearts hear that story and they whisper, please. And our souls cry out, yes. As the great poet W.H. Auden wrote over 70 years ago in his Christmas oratorio for the time being, we who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act, the infinite become a finite fact? Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. Blessed Advent, friends. Stay alert. We wait in joyful expectation for a miracle, something that doesn't make sense, yet our hearts know to be true. That is the good news of Advent. We live in a miraculous hope and certain knowledge of Emmanuel, God with us, a God who loves us. This year, the next, the one after that, and at the end of time. Stand up, raise your heads, for your redemption draws near. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.